CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events or a biblical perspective, and also what we hear in church is it even in the Bible at all. So if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, you've been sharing your faith, maybe you've been reading your Bible and come across something you don't understand, that's why we're here for you each and every weekday afternoon. At this time, live, and uh, that number to call again if you want to be part of the program, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. It's toll-free, and we got some lines open, so you're sure to get on if you call right now. Joining me today, special guest, uh, John Randall, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel OC, and his program, A Daily Walk, that's on Sunday and soon to be on, I believe, uh, during the weekdays as well. Looking forward to that, John. Hi, and welcome. Thank you, Mike. Great to be back with you, and Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. It's always a blessing to uh, be with you, and uh, thank you so much for your time, setting this time aside of your very busy schedule to answer some questions for all of us. So we look forward to that. What's going on this, this, uh, you have a Christmas Eve, Christmas morning? We certainly do. We have uh, three Christmas Eve services, two, four, six, and then one Christmas service this year at 930. So a busy week on the horizon for us. Looking forward to it. Amen. We do the same thing. We're, uh, we have a seven o'clock, uh, Christmas Eve service and then 10 o'clock, uh, Christmas morning service. And everybody that comes gets the movie Jesus. And so we're giving that away as our Christmas present to everybody. And so I think you'll enjoy it. Great for evangelism and personally just great to watch. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's right out of the book of Luke. You don't have to worry about, 10% 10% being, you know, made up or whatever. No, it's it's all all the Bible uh, right out of the book of Luke. And so, uh, again, part of the Genesis Project. And so, really good. It's yours if you come and look forward to that. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Sheree on the line, I believe. It is in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. Hi. How may we help? Melikalikimaka. I'm, I'm so sad that my, my husband isn't home right now to listen to this because we're in this argument about this. And after 42 years of marriage, I need to win. Uh-huh. Well, I hope I can help. We can help. Well, is there any way I can listen to this later on to show him? Yes, yes. It'll be uh, archived. And so you can log on and listen to it. They're recorded. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, um, we were talking about suicide, a well-known person that we um, enjoy killed himself recently, and I was telling him he must have suffered from depression, you know, a mental illness, and he was telling me that if a person is walking right with the Lord, no way would they kill themselves, and I told him, you know, that's absurd, you know, because mental illness is clinically, you know, a a mental problem, and he adamantly opposed what I was saying, because if someone's walking correct with the Lord, no way would they kill themselves. What do you say? Well, I believe that, again, uh, to say that somebody that kills himself automatically goes to heaven, you'll never find that in the Bible anywhere. However, we do know that the trials of this life can be pretty fiery. And we remember 2 Corinthians 
Paul writes uh, there in in Corinthians, Second Corinthians one. He says, he says, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, of the trouble that came to us when we were in Asia, that we were pressed beyond measure and we despaired even of life. That's suicidal. I mean, you're, you're you don't want to live anymore. He says, but these things happen that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So I look at that as as part of this this, uh, trials that we go through on this earth. I do believe that somebody that kills themselves is not in a right state of mind. Uh, And so to say they automatically go to hell, I don't think I would say that. We remember... Samson is listed as a champion of faith, and we remember he deliberately pushed the pillars over and caved the roof in on the Philistines having a big party, and he died in that as well. Now, whether he knew he was going to die or not, I don't know. But the point is that I think a person that kills themselves is not in their right mind. Now, of course, for a person that's not a believer, it's not a question, you go to hell, because there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. But a person that says, well, they're just in a, in a really, they're not a Christian, but they're, they kill themselves. They were, it's still, they're not in, uh, they're not in Christ. And so I have no hope for that person. A person that, that maybe has walked with the Lord, that's had problems and things like this. The Bible still doesn't say they automatically go to heaven. I've always chose to live my life outside of question marks. And so I would advise somebody never to do that. But ultimately, God is the judge. John, your thoughts? Well, I'm so thankful for passages in Scripture like Romans chapter 8, where the Bible says that no created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. And having um, presided over many uh, memorials in my day, and even some suicides, and some, as you mentioned, Mike, people that had problems and difficulties that um, they loved the Lord, but they they really wrestled with it. And and they ended up taking their own life. It, it is such a tragedy. And the other thing I, I would like to say is it's not up to us to decide. We're not the ones who decide who gets into heaven and who doesn't. Jesus is the ultimate judge, and he is merciful. He is compassionate, and and whatever he decides is just and true and right. But I also would like to say that um, in addition to that, Mike, it's no doubt that at this time of year, there are people listening to this program who are very lonely. You come across them, I do, in the church. And I would just say, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, or you're thinking life isn't worth living, listen, friend, this is why Jesus came. This is what Christmas is about. He came to give you life and that more abundantly. There is a reason for your existence. There's a reason you're alive, and you need to know that. Life is found in Christ. Amen. And so I hope that sheds some light on it for you, dear. We want to be very careful. I don't want to add to God's Word certainly don't want to take away from it. And so uh, I hope that gives you a, a pretty good understanding, uh, Sharia, of what, what the Bible says. I just, I feel that uh, a, a Christian can suffer from mental illness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we live in a fallen world. Uh, we have our bodies that don't work right. Some, uh, you know, we limp when we walk. Some have cancer. Some have mental illness. I mean, we, we see this all the way through the Bible. Um, and, and so, and we also have another element that we have to also add into it, the demonic attack. And I believe that that's a very real thing. The Bible tells us to resist the devil. He'll flee from us, but a lot of people aren't very good at resisting. And so because of that, I believe they can allow themselves to, 
to uh, succumb to suggestions uh, of destruction where we remember, as an example, the man in Gadara. Uh, he would cut himself and he'd live among the, the tombs and the graves. Um, this is a very, anybody that's cutting themselves, uh, this is, this is a cry for help. I believe that there's something, something, uh, to destroy themselves in doing this. And so I really believe that we need to, we just need to really encourage those people. And that's why, that's why the Bible says to, to be in in season and out of season. We don't know when God's going to bring somebody into our life that needs that encouragement. But if we're um, not in season, I mean, we're we're checked out, we're partying down, we're doing something else, taking a stride from the master's side, we're going to find ourselves in a mess. So I uh, hope that helps. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some books, some DVDs, uh, the movie Jesus as well, okay? And I wish you all merry kalikimaka and a hot oli makihiki ho. Uh, <laughs> Mahalo, yes. Uh, by the way, uh, what island are you on? I'm on the big island. Uh, uh, Kona Hilo. <laughs> Hilo. Oh, how'd the storm go? Um, the storm, meaning the rain that we just had the other night. Oh man, I I watched some videos of of it. Uh, it was it was really ripping up the Kona side, and then. Uh, Maui got hammered. I shot. I saw some pictures of just endless lightning instead of a flash, and you wait a few minutes and another flash. This was just going off like, you know, thousands of flash bulbs nonstop. It was just incredible hail. I believe they said they had hail in Maui, so I don't know. It was it was a pretty gnarly winter storm. Well, just like you guys deal with whatever you deal with, we're pretty cool about dealing with what we got to deal with. Yeah, those 80-degree temperatures are so hard sometimes. I know. <laughs> good, Jerry. That's good. Stay on line there. We'll get you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy it. Use it for evangelism. Lord bless you, and Merry Christmas to you as well. Let's go to Randy in San Jose. Hi, welcome. Hi there. I was listening to a very well-known national televangelist, doing a question-and-answer session, and someone had sent him an email asking, when you die, what is your body like? He actually responded that your body, your soul waits around three or four days before it goes to heaven to be with the Lord, which is in direct contradiction to 2 Corinthians 5.8. And I was wondering, where would he have gotten that that doctrine, do you think? Gasset indigestion. No, I don't know. I, I have no concept. Uh, uh, it's not in the Bible. Uh, and I, I think that that's a real troubling thing because uh, we remember that, uh, again, I always cite uh, in the book of Luke, Jarius's daughter who died and Jesus prayed for the little girl and it says her spirit returned to her. Uh, we don't find any lag time or anything like that. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No lag time there. So that is a very weird idea. I don't know where they get it. They're not getting it from Scripture. And I would have to call in question of maybe other things they say, because if this is the way they're exegeting Scripture, making stuff up, how much more stuff are they making up? Just the thought. Your thoughts, John. 
I would agree with you on that. I think I, I'm not sure why someone would say that. And, and you said it was three days. I don't know if they were tying that to Jesus being three days in the grave or Jonah three days in the belly of the great fish. But the Bible says this. It says, as you mentioned in Second Corinthians 5, 8, that we are confident, yes, well, pleased to be absent from the body is to be present, immediately present with the Lord. And so anytime you come across, uh, whether they're well known or what their name is or how many uh, letters they have attached to their name, how many doctorates they have, it really doesn't matter if they contradict scripture, scripture is the authority. And we always want to stand on the side of God's word. We don't want to take away from it. We don't want to add to it. And so I'm thankful that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, Mike. Amen. And I hope that helps because, um, I don't know, Randy, that's that's pretty crazy stuff there. Hope that helps. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. I mean, it concerns me that it's such a well-known international broadcast. And to put out something like that was just off base. I'm finding a lot of times more and more, um, sometimes the well-known people are saying some pretty weird stuff. And just because they have a bunch of uh, letters and abbreviations behind their name, PhDs and whatever else they might be, doesn't mean they're they're uh, reading the Word of God correctly. Uh, you don't find anywhere in the Scripture where your body, uh, your your spirit leaves around. Even even Jesus, uh, when he died, he went and preached to those in captivity. He didn't hang around the tomb there for a couple days. His spirit, uh, you don't find that, and so. I hope that I hope that helps. And Randy, it's unfortunate, but uh, um, I, I think we're in the days where um, uh, people depart from sound doctrine. They have itching ears, wanting to hear something new, something you know, a new twisty on something, or added or extrapolated. We got to be very careful in these days. Jesus said, "We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." Uh, we want to be careful not to add to it. Hope that helps, Randy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that you always have two voices and two perspectives. Kudos to you on that. Well, blessings, Randy. And stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs, great for evangelism. And the movie Jesus goes out to you as well. So stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. If you're any more weirdness, weirdness please let us know. Let's go to Craig, California. Hi, welcome. Let's go to Taylor in Astoria, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi, Mike. Uh, Hi. Merry Christmas to John and Mike. Uh, I just have a question. Not kind of not a question, but I'm struggling with tithing, and I wonder if there's any encouraging scripture that I could pass along. Well, your your phone is very very muffled, um, uh, Taylor, and so it's it's hard to understand. But um, you you want encouragement about tithing? Is that what it was? Yes, sir. Okay, John, your thoughts. Well, you know, the Bible does tell us in the New Testament. Actually, first of all, let me start in the Old Testament, Mike. In the Old Testament, there was a principle, there was a percentage in, called tithing. This was something that they would do under the law. And oftentimes people will pick up that 10% and they will apply it to the New Testament. It's interesting, when you do come to the New Testament, there isn't any percentage given. The question becomes, if we give 10% under the law, well, what do we give under grace? When it comes to giving, I've noticed that God is more concerned 
uh, about uh, not so much the amount that we give, but the way in which we give. And the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he said, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The translation is a hilarious giver. And so I would encourage people to give based upon your response to God. No one should be you know, making you, forcing you to do it. It's something you want to do in response to what God has done. And Mike, I understand that everything that I have is all a gift from God. And it is my privilege to give back to the Lord. Really, I'm amazed how much he allows me to keep. 10% for some people may be a lot, where 10% for other people may not be anything at all. God looks at how we give, but it is a blessing to be able to give back to the Lord. Yeah, and really, tithing is not a law principle. It was enforced in the law, but it's a pre-law standing. We remember when when Abraham returned from slaughter of the kings, and he met Melchizedek, and he gave him 10% of what he took. This was way before the Ten Commandments were ever given. It's something that was just understood. And then we also remember, even when Abel offered his sacrifice to the Lord, the Lamb, um, we, we realized that there was something that we gave to God. Um, and I, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I believe that, again, you can never outgive God. I believe God will always, God will never be indebted to anybody. I, I think the idea of giving to get something out of God is wrong. I think we need to give, um, uh, and and here, Lord, it's yours. But God won't won't be uh, beholden to anybody. He'll he'll press down, shaking together, running over, and give it back, as it says in in uh, Malachi. So, understanding how God uh, deals with with us in our giving, um, I, I think it's it's different in every situation, and I, I think a lot of times, depending on what the need is depends also on the value of the gift. A, a person dying of thirst in the Mojave Desert, a bar of gold isn't worth anything to them, mm. but a big cup of water is. And I think sometimes in the course of a lifetime, things that may not necessarily seem to be worth so much, like a cup of water, in his name bears a reward in heaven, and Jesus even talked about that. So I think we need to be sensitive and not always be tying a dollar sign to what we give, but realizing that actually everything that we as believers have belonged to the Lord. And I want to be a good steward with what I have so that, first of all, it's a testimony to those around, and second of all, that that uh, that God's kingdom would be furthered. So uh, understanding that, I, I really believe that you cannot give God. It is a pre-law uh, um, practice that that Abraham did concerning Melchizedek uh, and others. And yet in the New Testament, we don't find it. But Jesus said concerning the Pharisees, he said, you tithe on your mint, mint and cumin, which you should have done. Those exact words Jesus said, which you should have done. But you've left out the weightier thing, love. And so I believe that, we again, we have to look at all of the verses that pertain to this. I know a lot of people say, well, uh, it's not a New Testament thing. I don't do that. 
Uh, well, they certainly gathered together in, in Acts chapter 11 when uh, the famine came and they entrusted to uh, Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, uh, the, the goods that they took to take to the churches in Judea. So we do know that this idea of giving is very much a Christian principle and very much a pre-law principle. I hope that answers it for you. Mike, one other thing I want to add well, to ahead. that is um, Philippians 4.17, where Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Yes. What a blessing it is to be able to give, and maybe I'm not able to go to the mission field, but I'm able to give to a missionary who goes out into the field. And guess what happens? According to the scriptures, the fruit that comes from that ministry will be added to my account. And what a blessing to be able to partner with uh, ministries that, well, like CSN and others that are doing the work of the Lord, and we're reaching untold thousands of people. That is fruit to our account. And what a blessing to partner with the Lord in that way. Now, Taylor, I think all of us have seen the abuses by many ministers the seed faith and, you know, miracle wallets and send your money in and, and, you know, you're going to get, uh, you know, uh, dollar for dollar, you're going to get, you know, and they got all these scams and formulas. I run away from them. You know, when you, when you look and you see these guys own five Lear jets and they're sitting on TV begging for money with Rolex watches on and, and, you know, $4,000 suits. I, I just have no use for that. I, 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 I really believe that again, um, we want to be wise stewards with what God's given us. And when the gospel becomes just that of a means of gain, I think we need to be extremely careful. And uh, people that don't know the Bible very well uh, succumb to these, these, um, these, uh, some, I don't want to just say, I don't want to limit it to just TV preachers, but uh, there's some good ones on there. But there's also many that are scamming people. Uh, they got a new twist and they got their books and they got all the stuff that they're selling. Now, I'm not saying it isn't wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to sell something. But I, I really believe where, where God guides, God provides. I think God directs us and and causes us to respond to need via his Holy Spirit, not through manipulation. Well, now the real Christians will give and give till it hurts. Oh, we had an offering just now, but it wasn't enough. Pass the buckets again, ushers. Run. That's all I can say. Because again, it's not about, about us. It's about Jesus and when the focus becomes on us and the manipulation to get money out of people, uh, it is something that is absolutely appalling. Somebody asked me years ago, why did you start Christian radio? And I said, well, primarily it's because I didn't like Christian radio because of all the scams that were going on. So we try real hard here at CSN to keep that kind of stuff off. Oh, we have people all the time begging us to put them on the air but the thing is, you know, they're peddling their miracle wallets and all the other stuff. And again, I don't think it's wrong to have a book or something like that at the end of a program and offer it to people. But it's the pressure. It's the manipulation. I believe that's what, what we have to be extremely careful of. And so, Taylor, I hope that helps. It helped a lot. Thank you very much. Taylor, stay on the line. And um, 
For just $29.95, we'll send you, yes, the miracle package. No, we're going to give it to you. We'll send you out the DVDs and the books. We just want to bless you and say Merry Christmas to you as to everyone that calls. And, uh, you know, I always, I, I, you know, I think people need to be real careful and ministers need to be real careful in putting Jesus Christ in the bread line. You know, in other words, he's begging. Uh, he, he, God doesn't do that. And, you know, freely you've received, freely give. And I thank God for all those that listen to CSN, that contribute, that we can all do this together so we can be an outreach, so we can bless people that don't have any money. We can just say, here, as a matter of fact, buddy, sister, Jesus loves you, and here, take this. That's what we like to do here. And so I just want to encourage everybody, thank you again, especially at this Christmas time. And I know a lot of people have really uh, helped us out, especially at this time. Thank you. But I, I, I just want to assure you, nobody here is flying Learjets and, and uh, you know, got a rolls out in the parking lot or anything like that. And see, no rolls, uh, no Rolex, sorry. Kind of don't care what time it is. It's one, been one of my problems all my life. Anyway, sorry, Taylor, I just, I, I, I digress. Uh, Taylor, stay alive. We'll say you had a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I know you'll be blessed and uh, use them, share them. You say, well, I, I really like this one, and I'm afraid I won't get it back. Well, if they don't give it back, let me know, and I'll send you another one. So uh, use it for evangelism, okay? Perfect. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you, Taylor. God bless you. Let's go to Letty, I believe it is, in Longview, Washington. Hi, and welcome. Okay, it's Ethelette. Ethelette. Okay, well, Ethelette, I, you know, I don't think I've ever met an Ethelette before. No, so, and I... Very seriously, consider using a fake name. <laughs> well, I'm glad but, you. I'm glad you called. How can we help? All right, my question is in um, Revelation. It talks about. I think it's around 22 that when Jesus is ruling the earth during the millennium, he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Yes. Now, I think it also talks about, but not there, and it's probably in Jeremiah or somewhere, that everybody is going to have to have a pilgrimage to Jerusalem once a year, or blessings are going to be withheld from them. Is that is that true? Is that the Jews, or is that everybody? Well, the Bible talks about paying homage to Christ, and I, I believe that that is, is in, in, in partially there. John, your thoughts. We're coming upon a break, but just real quickly, and then we'll go to the break. Well, there's a lot that could be said upon that because you're getting into the millennial reign of Christ. There's going to be another temple. There's going to be there's a lot of things that the Bible reveals. And some of that, that the nations are going to come before the Lord. They're going to bow. They're going to worship him. They're going to pay him tribute. Um, and there's a lot of things that the Bible mentions that are going to take place in the future that oh, we'll talk more about when we come right back. Yeah. And so we don't want anyone to go away. And we will have more to every man and answer coming up right after these messages. And so hold tight. We'll be right back. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. 
There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited-time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE, 855-91-BIBLE. It all came down to the ultrasound, and I saw this little lima bean-looking thing with a halo, which I thought was incredible. A baby wasn't really in the plan for this young mom. After seeing a halo on her baby on an ultrasound at a preborn center, she was still leaning towards abortion. And I got to hear the heartbeat, and I got chills. In that moment, I just felt God's arms come around me and hug me and tell me that it was going to be okay. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, helping to save babies' lives and souls. To learn more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. My choice to become a mom and hear those little footsteps running down the hallway every morning is all because I had an ultrasound. It saved my life and hers. back to part two of Every Man and Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with, we have with us John Randall and from Calvary Chapel, South Orange County and uh, I'm your host Mike Kessler <clears throat> we went to the break <clears throat> we, we were um, talking about those during the millennial reign of Christ that come and pay homage to him there and um, John you were saying well, I was just saying that during that time, during the millennial reign, when it talks about the Lord ruling with a rod of iron, it's not going to be like it is today, where you have men doing everything that's right in their own eyes. Uh, the Lord is going to be in charge. The government will be upon his shoulders, and he will reign. And the Bible says that we will reign with him. And during that time, there will be a perfect rule of justice and righteousness during that thousand years. And Mike, we've answered this question several times I, together where there's a repopulation of the earth and all of these things. And at the end of that thousand years, well, the devil who's been chained will be released one final time. And it's amazing to think that some people will be persuaded to side with him. And then basically it's just showing the people you're in a perfect environment and you still rebel against God. And then eventually the devil is removed and those who fight against the Lord. But during that time, they will be paying tribute to the Lord, showing him respect, the nations of the world are going to be bowing before him. So I hope that answers it for you. But does it does it say that um that blessings will be withheld if the nations don't come to The Bible says no rain will fall on their land. Uh John your thoughts. That's a really good question. I was searching for the exact uh, passage there, Ethelette. I didn't get the the reference that you were mentioning. I heard you say Jeremiah. I heard you say Revelation, but I wasn't I wasn't sure which passage you were mentioning. No, I don't think it's in Revelation. But I was stu- I was listening to somebody else, and and they was saying 
And I was telling my husband about the no rain, and mm-hmm. he just want, we just wanted to know where that is. When rain was withheld? Yes. Well, I mean, there's several examples in Scripture um, where that happens. One that comes to mind immediately is during First Kings when, of course, Elijah came and stood before uh, wicked King Ahab and said, it's not going to rain for three years, except at my word. And sure enough, it didn't rain. There was a severe drought. Other times the Lord would withhold rain. And the reason why is because the nation of Israel started to worship these false gods of the other nations, which they believed to be over the weather. For example, Baal and other gods that are mentioned. And so what the Lord would do is he would withhold the rain to show that he was the one true God. And later on, he would say, pray for rain, pray for the latter rain. They were very dependent upon this. And sometimes to get the people's attention, again, there's not just one passage of scripture. There's several passages uh, throughout the Old Testament where the Lord did that in order to get the people's attention. And it's interesting, Mike, because even today, although the Lord might not withhold rain, he does seek to get our attention as well. Yeah, what you're talking about here is in Zechariah 14, 17. And I'll just read starting at verse 16. And so I think this will satisfy you, and you're absolutely right. It says, and they all, and, and all they shall be left of all the nations that came up against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to adore the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the festival of tabernacles. It shall come to pass, it shall come to pass, uh, that he, that shall not go up of the families of the land to Jerusalem to adore the king, the Lord of hosts. There will be no rain upon them. And if a family goes from Egypt, go, not goes up, neither shall there, there be no rain come upon them um, uh, that do not keep the feast of tabernacles. Now, again, the the idea here is that all the nations... Uh, will come up. So this, I believe, is a prophecy there in Zechariah. Um, Zechariah also says he's coming again. And so Zechariah 14, 17 is the verse that I think you're asking about. And that's the way I read it, uh, that if they don't come up and pay homage to Christ, honor the Feast of Tabernacles, no rain will fall on their land. And so it's in a way a curse, if you will. So I hope that helps. Is that is that the answer? That is exactly the answer that I was, I, you, I just didn't know how to word the question. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's, it's a little difficult, but again, uh, Zechariah is one of those uh, prophetic books in the Old Testament that has so much in it um, that uh, pertains to uh, the days I believe we live in and the millennia as well. So anyhow, again, you can look that up, show your family. Again, Zechariah fourteen seventeen. Hope that helps. I had one other passage, Mike, I was going to mention for Ethelet, just, just by way of another cross-reference concerning your question. Amos chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Amos chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Look that up and you'll see exactly what we're talking about along the same lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but absolutely, the, the, the uh, um, Zechariah uh, verse is, is speaking of, I believe, the millennial reign of Christ. So... Stay in line here. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, and the movie Jesus. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Dana, Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, my question is, um, sin and repent, 
um, we still suffer the consequences, but does God sometimes use other people in in that, um, like someone else pays the price? And, and in doing that, that's... Anytime we sin, it always has consequences. And sometimes consequences involving other people. Now, we remember when David got Bathsheba pregnant, when her husband was in the military, and then he uh, was worried that he'd be found out, so he tried to get Uriah to come home and spend time with his wife so she'd think, you know, everybody think the baby was, was his, and he wouldn't do that. He says, how can I enjoy the pleasures of a wife when my fellow army Guys are out there on the field battling it out. And so we remember that David sent back to Joab with a note in his hand, get the battle hot, let, let, uh, let him be killed. Well, we remember when Nathan came by, the prophet, and told the story about the little lamb, a man who had everything. And this poor man only had a little sheep. He had a guest come. And he didn't have anything to feed him, so he went over and took away the the only thing this poor family had was this little lamb that would even sleep with the kids and keep them warm. And 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 slaughtered it and fed it to his friend. And David said, That man shall die. And Nathan looked at him and said, Thou art the man. David was cut to the heart. But what David said is very interesting, and it answers your question, Dana, so interestingly. Because David cries out and he says, God, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Well, wait a minute. What about the guys in the battle? What about Uriah? What about Bathsheba? What about a lot of things going on here? Ultimately, sin is against God. But sin has the trickle-down effect. And I believe that's what David was speaking about. David realized his transgression was against God. But he also then understood that there are those repercussions in our sin. And that is why sin is so evil. Because it doesn't just harm us. It harms others. And even though the sin is against God, we end up, we end up affecting so many people's lives by what we do. Now, everybody falls into this category. There's none that are righteous. No, not one. So we have to then understand how God sees it. And we see the tragedy that happened in Uriah and Bathsheba's life. We, we see that. And so understanding, do, do, do consequences fall on people around us when we sin? Absolutely. And this is why I believe it is so important that we, as God's children, what David understood, he said, is mercy endures forever. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's why we need God's mercy. Now, God's grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. I, I think everybody's, everybody's kids this Christmas, as they uh, go underneath the tree, well, you know, naughty or nice, you've been a good kid all year. No, you haven't. You've been a little rat. But the thing is, nevertheless, the parents' grace is upon their kids, and they give their, their kids good presents, even though they didn't deserve them. But mercy is not getting the punishment 
that we deserve for our sins. And his mercy endures forever. Oh, how important it is that not only do you understand as a believer that we're forgiven, but I believe God does thwart a lot of the punishment that would fall on us because he does love us and we do cry out for that mercy. Your thoughts, John? Well, the Bible does say in Romans 6.23 that the wages, the payment of sin is death. And oftentimes that's death to relationships, death in so many ways. And I think, Mike, part of the deceptive nature of sin is that we don't look down the road. We want the immediate fulfillment, the immediate satisfaction. And so we make a decision not thinking that it will lead to all of the consequences that will follow. Another example of this, I suppose, would not only be David, but also Achan along with the children of Israel there in Joshua chapter 7, as the Lord had warned them in advance, don't take of any of these accursed things. And the next scene opens, they're in battle. He takes of the Babylonian garment. He takes a wedge of gold, takes these things. He had seen them. He had coveted them. He took them, and then he hid them in his tent. And of course, his sin, when it was discovered, not only affected Achan, it also affected his entire house. They all were burned as a consequence of sin. So I would say to anybody listening today, listen, don't run after sin, run from it. It's not worth it. Turn from sin and live. Yeah, a couple of things on that too. In those days um, uh, when the lots were being to find out who the one is, the reason why they were not successful when they came up to their next battle, it's because God says somebody's taken the accursed things. Well, if you were aching and all of a sudden you see it, Uh, divide up and fall on your tribe and then, you know, fall on your family. God gave uh, Achan, I believe, ample time to repent, but he wouldn't do it. Something else we have to understand, too, because people say, well, how is that 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 that, uh, thing that that Achan did, uh, his whole family was stoned? Because when you have to realize they lived in basically a tent, if you will, they were traveling, they were nomadic at that time, they had not entered into the promised land. And the whole family lived in the tent. Hey, mom, dad, what's this big pile of dirt over here with this gold bar sticking out? Everybody in the home, everybody in the house knew what was going on. They were all in on it. They had to be because anybody that lives in a one-room house and you have a family there, they know when the dirt's been dug up and garments buried or gold bars buried. And so I believe that's why that happened that way. They were all in it together. But when we understand again that that thing that Achan did caused them to lose a battle where they were winning every time they came up against the city, they didn't win because of what Achan did. Interestingly enough, if you study that, the gold was supposed to go into the house of the Lord. So actually Achan was stealing from God. Something to think about. Hope that helps. Um, actually, can I can I say something specific about sure. about sure. Okay, um, many years ago, I, I lived in another state, and um, when it was at the time when abortion first became legal, um, and we didn't have all the counseling and all the things that happen now. But um, I had an abortion. Um, 
I repented, God forgave me, um, but now my daughter is not able to conceive a child. And really my question is, is that the consequence of my sin? Dear, I don't believe it is. Um, The Bible is pretty clear concerning... um, that 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 uh, he d- takes no pleasure in in bringing judgment upon your children for something like that. Uh, your daughter had nothing to do with what you did, um, but we do know that we live in a fallen world. Uh, our bodies are under a curse. All of them are. That's why we die when we're somewhere between zero and 105, nobody goes 220. Um, we, we understand that um, we're, we're, we're this way. I don't believe that's a direct curse, dear. And I, I know you've probably beat yourself up most your life over that abortion. And then because of something like this, you continue to beat yourself up. And I don't believe God would have you be that way. I, I, I believe that God would lift that off. And and would it be all right if I prayed for you? Yes. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you take this weight of this sin that has went on for decades out of her life. Lord, that you would come and lift it off. You're the weightlifter, God. And so I just would ask, we would ask, God, every person listening, we just ask that you would take and pour your bucket of golden love all over her. And let her know, Lord, her sins are forgiven. The past is forgotten. You've separated sin from as far as the east is from the west, and you choose to remember it no more, not visit her daughter with a, with a health issue. And so, Lord, let her know that she's forgiven. Now, Lord, we pray for her daughter. And we ask that, Lord, whatever it is, that you would reverse that, and maybe that you would give her a child. In Jesus' name, Lord God, who does wonderful miracles, God who heals, would you please heal this whole family in Jesus' name, amen. Dana, our prayers are with you, dear. Thank you. I appreciate it. Stay on the line. We'll send you out some uh, some books, DVDs, the movie Jesus. And um, I, I, I really pray that the Lord heals your daughter. For whatever, however, God does miracles. And may he just do a miracle in your family's life in Jesus' name. Dana, Lord loves you, and uh, may, your, may your heart be lifted. And uh, God bless you, dear. Stay in line, we'll get you, we'll get you out some things that will encourage you, okay? Okay, thank you. God bless you, dear. Merry Christmas to you. And I pray this new year you have a guilt-free life. So important. Let's go to Cameron. In Louisiana, hi, welcome. How you doing, man? Blessings from South Louisiana. How may we help? Well, I had an original question about uh, Jesus walking on water and then believing that uh, it was a ghost that Jesus didn't deny it. But I really wanted to, you know, I, I'm a kind of apologist myself, and I'm really trying to find more about the preacher of rapture, is the concept of where it came from. I believe wholeheartedly that I'm that God's going to get us out in the first bus ticket out of here. 
But there are some people, you know, in the community that I know that believe that we're going to be through the tribulation. And I know there's a difference between tribulation and the wrath of God. But I really wanted to pick y'all's brains on that. Well, Jesus said, and I, I know Jesus is not much of an authority in the church anymore, but if we went back to what he said, man, all of a sudden, a lot of scripture makes sense. He said, as in the days of Noah were, Matthew chapter 24, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, party time. The world was on the very edge of a global judgment. And they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. What do we find today? Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage on the very edge of a global judgment called the tribulation period. What Jesus is talking about there in Matthew chapter 24 is not the second coming of Christ. I believe it's very clear because when you read farther down what Jesus talks about, unless those days were shortened, speaking of the tribulation period, there'd be no flesh saved. That is not speaking of eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Mere survival is all that's going to be available at the end of the tribulation period, where the Bible says every living thing in the sea is die, all the trees are burned up, all the vegetation is gone, the, the water is turned to blood, war is everywhere, famine is everywhere. No, it is completely not describing that particular period of time. That is describing right before the second coming of Christ when every eye will see him. The rapture of the church, Jesus said this, Behold, I come as a thief. Now, a thief comes to what is valuable. Is valuable to God, gold, silver, those things? No. What's valuable to God is you and me. That's what he's coming for. Then the world gets what they always wanted, a world without God. Remember, God's never without a witness. He has his 144,000 Jews that are servants, the Bible says. Revelation chapter 7, very clear. So we understand that God's not without his witness, plus the two witnesses in the streets of Jerusalem. Plus you have the angels flying through the midst of heaven, warning people on the earth, do not take the mark of the beast. Very clear. So when we find that, I believe it's pretty much outlined what's going to happen. Now again, Revelation 2 and 3, the age of the church. After these things, chapter 4, what things? The things of the church. I heard a voice saying, come up here. That's exactly what I believe is going to happen. You find the church in heaven, verse uh, chapter uh, 5 of Revelation, it says, who has redeemed us from every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. That's not talking about the Jewish people, every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. No, it, that's the church. And then the world gets what they always wanted, a world without God. And man, let me tell you, it's not the dawn of the age of Aquarius. John, your thoughts? Well, I love what the Bible says there, you know, in Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus is writing to the faithful church. And this is what he says to the faithful church, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. He says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from, mark that word, from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. That word from that Jesus mentioned doesn't mean in the midst of, it means out of. Think of it in those terms, because you've kept my command, I will keep you out of the hour of trial that is to come upon the whole earth. I would also draw your attention to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 
verses 13 and 18, as well as 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul reiterates in the 1 Thessalonians 4, he talks about the rapture of the church and us being caught away to be with the Lord and to comfort one another with these words. Then in his second letter to the Thessalonians, he continues to talk about the rapture and he talks about the man of sin that's going to be revealed. And listen, the church has to be taken. The influence of the Holy Spirit through the church has to be removed before that son of perdition, as the Bible calls him, the man of sin, the devil incarnate, can be revealed. And once the church is taken, that's when the enemy will uh, bring forth this counterfeit Jesus, this Antichrist, all oh, the spirit of Antichrist alive and well, but the actual Antichrist will come after the church is taken. He's going to keep us out, Mike, out of the tribulation that's to come upon the earth. So I hope that answers it for you. Yes, sir. It really does. I've always, I've always thought the he that's holding back the Antichrist is the Holy Spirit, because you never hear the church referenced as a she or a, a he. I mean, you mean. So that does. That really does help. And uh, I just, I get a lot of backlash. You know, as people I know and stuff like that, and um, they, they say, oh, who's going to be the witness and everything like that. And I'm like, well, I don't. I don't plan on having any good works, you know, so, <laughs> you know. Right. Well, that's what the 144,000 Jews are about. That's what the two street uh, witnesses in the streets of Jerusalem are about. God's not without a witness. Uh, God wants people to know why these judgments are falling on the earth. But we are his bride. And I think that's very important. Why would God subject his bride to his wrath? That makes no logical sense. And so when we understand who we are, in the light of who he is, that gives us a pretty good understanding of God's great love for us. And again, if we look at Revelation, and I believe Revelation is written pretty much in order to help people during the tribulation navigate through the worst time in the history of the world. I don't believe the book of Revelation is written to scare Christians. It says it's the revealing of who Jesus Christ is. And line by line, book by book, chapter by chapter, you find this unfolding of what comes next. And it's to encourage the Christians to have the faith, to be beheaded for their faith, because the Word of God is so accurate in describing that they can absolutely know that the Word of God is true and it's worth dying for. That's why I believe it's so exact. Hope that helps. Stay in line. We'll get those things out to you, okay? Yes, sir. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. And uh, we'll stay on and get the movie Jesus out to you. Andy, hi and welcome. Hi, how are you guys? We got 30 seconds. Okay. I just wanted to know what Jesus meant in Luke 9, 62. What did he mean by that? No one having put his hand... Um, said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We have to separate ourselves from what we did to what God wants us to do. Uh, if you read right before that guy goes, well, let me go and get my house in order and all these different things. Jesus said, just like you looked at Matthew Levi, follow me. And here this tax collector had all his 401ks and all his retirements. He just dropped it all on the table and followed Jesus. Never looked back. So important. John, any last thoughts? That's it, man. Once you once you start following Jesus, do not look back. There's nothing back there for us. We're meant to go forward. You end up as a pillar of salt, I think. <laughs> Stay in line, Andy. We'll get you taken care of. Royce and Jennifer calls back first thing tomorrow. No waiting. God bless you all. Thanks, John. Good night. 
To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 